Welcome to Mile High Magazine. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping events in Colorado. Presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And welcome into another edition of Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. We are glad you are here. Today we're going to talk about the uh, Vail Veterans Program and the bosses here. Can I, Becca, can I call you the boss? I don't know if I'm the boss, but I'm a, we have a small team there. So well, your last name is Aliber, Becca Aliber, yes. and you're the director of programs. Correct. Director indicates boss. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we're glad to have you down from Vail. Thanks for having you know, us. And we'd like to do as much as we can to, to help all the veterans in the state of Colorado before all the great work. In fact, we're going to talk to one here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk to you about Vail Veterans. Never heard of it before. Okay. And I'm sure not a lot of people have. So what is it? Yeah, we'll tell you more about that. So um, we work with wounded veterans and their families from three major military hospitals to bring them to Vail, Colorado for outdoor therapeutic recreational programming. Um, we have we, we started with just this outdoor therapeutic recreational programming, but we've really expanded our mission and our scope of services. And we offer year-round programs um, that focus on a whole bunch of different challenges faced by wounded veterans when they're recovering from their injuries and healing together with their families. So you don't have to live in Vail. You do not have to live in Vail, correct. But so they come up from all over all over the state? All, all over the country. All over the country. Mm-hmm. So we are That's nationwide. Fantastic. We serve veterans and their families from across the entire United States. Well talk about some of the uh the programming. It sounds really intriguing. Yeah, so when we started um our founder, Cheryl Jensen, this was in two thousand and four um, she worked with the Walter Reed Military Medical Center um, sure. in uh, Beth- Bethesda, Maryland. Actually, at the time, I believe it was in D.C. or somewhere Ooh. close by, not there. Sure. Um, but she brought seven wounded veterans and their families to Vail, or sorry, just vet- wounded veterans to Vail for um, skiing and snowboarding, adaptive ski and snowboard lessons. Sure. And she she had been a adaptive ski instructor, and she thought that she wanted to, to be able to offer that to um, – she saw the great impacts of it and wanted to be able to offer it to wounded vets. So she um, brought seven of them out there and thought it was going to be a one-and-done program, but, you know, we're coming up on our 15th year anniversary. So one-and-done is 15 years now. later now, yeah. and we offer yeah. programs throughout the entire year. So um, – like I said, we started with uh, adaptive skiing and snowboarding, but we now do two adaptive ski and snowboard programs that are both five days long. Um, we bring for each of those programs 25 wounded vets and their families here. Um, we do a summer family program, which is actually coming up in July. So for that, they come to Vail. Um, they get to mountain bike, whitewater raft, um all sorts of outdoor all activities, stuff, all the great stuff yeah, that, that we, we offer in Vail. That we take exactly. advantage of because we live here. Right, right. What right. a great adventure for them. What a nice thing. It's got to be just spectacular to see how much fun these veterans have. They have so much fun, and it's a really great opportunity for them to bond with other veterans and family members and just to really meet people that they'll keep in touch with and um, to, to learn new skills and coping mechanisms and things that they can use when they go home. So, um, so that's kind of the the mission of the program. Then, yeah, I mean, the, it's more than just having fun. There's a exactly. Pur- there's, there's a, a purpose. purpose. Yeah, right, talk right. more about that purpose. So yeah. So um, we, you know, there are a lot of challenges, and I actually brought in some statistics that I thought I would share. But there are a lot of challenges that are faced by wounded veterans and and the family members when they're they're coming back and on their starting out their healing journey and even on their road to recovery farther down the road. And so um, we. You know, our programs really address those needs. At, sure. And um, we 
we talk directly to the veterans and their families after each program so that we understand what is helpful for them um, and that we can provide programming that um, that that will address all the challenges that they're facing. And so um, some of the big things that we that we emphasize there are, um, you know, isolation is a, is something that a lot of veterans sure. face and, and family members right. after an injury exactly. like that, sustaining a severe injury. And so we encourage them to, to bond with other veterans and their families and to, to bond with each other and to reconnect with family. Um, so that's a big one there. And actually, I just want to... And the veterans bring in family with them. They don't they come by family. themselves because that's got to be a big part of the plan. A big part of the plan. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's different challenges faced by each member of the family. And so to be able to support, um, you know, the, the veteran, but also the caregivers and then the children, too, it's really important. Well, sure um, it is, because their dad or mom is going through a tough thing right? right. after and, being somewhere serving our country. Right, exactly. And then to be able to, you know, meet for the kids to meet other kids that have, you know, have the same same uh, stories that, and, and challenges that they're facing. Is sure, sure. Really important. And then I was going to share just some of these yeah, statistics because I thought they were interesting. But um, so we survey all the participants before and after programs. Okay. Um, we ask for their goals and um, you know what the, what they'd like to accomplish when they're there, obviously. Um, but some of the challenges that they state that they would like to work on while they're in Vail um, include a lot of them are facing a, a decrease in their independence just based on their injury, and so after the program. Ninety-four percent of the veterans reported that they had more confidence in themselves, so that leads them um, to becoming more independent. Ninety percent left feeling empowered and prepared for future obstacles. Wow! Um, so that's that's a high number. It's a really high number. Yeah. We have a really it's the the transformation that a lot of them and and that we see and that a lot of them feel through the program is really powerful. Um, on the family, the impact we had ninety-five percent of veterans report better communication with their family after attending. So. Um, that speaks to the reconnecting with family members and um, being able to do activities and things that they that they haven't done since their injury together. Um, and then another challenge that a lot of the veterans report is an increase in stress and anxiety after oh, their I'm injury. Sure. And yeah. so, ninety four percent that attended report that they've they they learned new stress management techniques. Um, so that's obviously a really impactful. Um, Result of, of programming. So and you're doing good isolation. work up there in Vail, it sounds like to yeah, me, for sure. Yeah, there's, and, and just, um, you know, everybody has their, their own journey and their own healing that they, that they experience while they're there. But those are some of the kind of the big picture items that we, we track and, and we hear back from them. It's good to get that feedback. Yeah, it's great. It, it helps the program improve, I'm sure. Exactly. And we, yeah. And then there are a couple of other programs that I wanted to share too. Okay. So, um, after, so the outdoor recreational. Sure. Programming, that's how we started, but we really have evolved to meet the changing needs of the veterans and their families. And so um, we now offer a, we offer two caregivers retreats. So those are specifically for the caregivers of the wounded veterans. The forgotten yeah. soul exactly. in, yeah, is usually the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's a really unique opportunity for them to come out here to bond with others without you know being able to take time for themselves, without sure. having to worry about their, their families and all the day-to-day responsibilities that they have. Um, and at that program, we do nutrition courses. We do. Um, we're going to do a financial literacy course that was requested by the participants last year. Um, so you can see we're evolving to make right. sure that we're addressing what what would be useful for them and, and their needs. Um, but they do outdoor activities and and just really have some time to relax and rejuvenate together. Um, we also have a golf program, and really? Matt can speak about the golf program. That's a re- it's a really cool. It's uh, I'll let you talk about it a little bit more, but it's five days of intensive golf 
um, 14 veterans come out there for that. And it's just right there in the Vail golf course. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We actually do five different courses oh, in really? Vail. So they get to experience all the different courses and they do um, clinics with some PGA teaching professionals. And um, it's that's fantastic. It's great. And it a lot, really is. Yeah. Um, and then our other big program that we've just recently started doing, we have a partnership with the Johnson and Johnson Human Performance Institute which is in Orlando, Florida, uh-huh. and it's a program that um, we send alumni of Vail Veterans Program to go um, through a three-and-a-half-day training course, and it's on managing energy. And so they do that through looking at um, your nutrition routine, your workout routine, um, and then also ways to manage stress. And um, the the throughout the three-and-a-half-day course, people write their story, so you you individually on right, your own right but, you know you, you think about it a lot and you write your, what your story has been and then you come up with what your story will be um and write your new life so like story. a diary type thing yeah, is it, almost is like, it, yeah like a, the day-to-day progress i'm making here and they talk about that yeah and then what ha- the the nice part about it is it's um it's impactful because you create a mission for yourself for sure, 30 sure. days 60 days 90 days and then into the future and so it's something that um the the veterans that go through the program can really work towards um, and so that is something that we've actually increased the number of times we're offering. And this year we'll be doing it three times. So Good for um, you. we can serve a number of the alumni of our programs. And then as a follow-up to that, we started last year offering what's called resiliency training. Um, so that is offered by the um, coaches from this Human Performance Institute come to Vail for an intensive. It will be two days this year. Um, and it just... It, it reengages the participants from the Veterans Path to Success program and uh, works on just resiliency overall, res- have, being resilient from stress. Sure. Um, that's got to be, well, that's the number one factor in anybody's life, really, is stress. But mm-hmm. these veterans, I can't even imagine the mm-hmm. level of the stress they come back with. Right. It's got to be phenomenal. We're talking with Becca Aliber, mm-hmm. say that right? Director of Programs for the Vail Veterans Program. Now, she was just alluding to Matt. That's Matt Spang, who is a veteran. Matt, welcome into Mile High Magazine, my friend. Thanks for having me. And thank you for all what you've done for our country. Thank you. And let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously, you've come back wounded. Uh, where yes. were you? What happened? And we'll talk about how you got involved with the Vail Veterans. Yeah, I got. Uh, I was in Afghanistan. I got hurt in December of 2011. Um, I lost both my legs below about six inches below my knee. And wow. I got I got sent back to San Antonio to the San Antonio Military Medical Center. And your recovery time must have been long. Yeah, it took me about two years to recover and um, get out of the military and retire. So. And now you're a family man. You live in Monument. Correct. Yeah, and uh, things are a little better, but yes, yeah, a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going through therapy every day. And oh, I'm sure that yeah, that's going to go on a while. Every day is a new day, but it's I call it my new normal. <laughs> Sound like you have a pretty good attitude. Yeah, yeah, I'm still. People say I'm pretty happy and, and a lot, a lot more upbeat and than a lot of veterans. So I try and help uh, fellow veterans and I help kids and stuff. I try to volunteer and just kind of good for you. Volunteer my time. Yeah. Is that how you got involved with the Vale Veterans then? Yeah, I was actually down in San Antonio and they had just like a they had a, a family uh, building where you could go in and they have lists of. Uh, organizations that you can take trips with and they had a, a golf trip a week-long golf trip up in Vail and I just signed up and here I am <laughs> I've well, done man. I've done a few thing, other things with them and other than golf I w- went on a family trip with sure. them and did a bunch of cool activities I never thought I'd be able to do 
So, so what has it meant to you? Talk about that, Matt. Veil um, veterans. I mean, we heard uh, Becca talking about what they offer. What did it do for you? Um, it, it showed me that uh, my injury is not just going to, it doesn't stop me from experiencing or doing um, physical activities and emotional activities and activities with my family. It's, it's kind of helped me um, become a better person and show me that my life hasn't, it hasn't stopped because of my injury, right. that I can do a lot of great things and I can help other people still. That's a big hurdle to get over. I can't imagine. Yeah, it is. I mean, making that kind of adjustment after what you've been through and being able to accept that, congratulations. That would be difficult for, I would think, the average person, let alone what you've been through. And I'm trying to think about you playing golf, and you have two artificial legs. How do you play golf? I I I can't play golf. I have two good legs. I I try. I can't hit it as far, but I've been playing golf since I was a little kid. I kind of grew up on the golf course during the summer up in Wisconsin. The basic skills are there. Yes, yes. But you had to... Kind of learned the game over a little bit, I would think. Yeah, I don't. I can't get my hips through the ball, so I don't hit it as far. But I still can play. I just need to practice my short game a little more. <laughs> well, get in line, buddy. <laughs> that and putting—it's just a killer for sure. Well, congratulations on your success. When you've been to these camps, well, I'll call them camps or these gatherings, do you go to just to talk to some of the other veterans just to help out a little bit, or do you participate more, or do you just kind of eh, let's talk? Um, I think the first time. I kind of participated a little more, and I just kind of wanted to see what other veterans are out there. And you meet veterans from all over all over the country, so it's pretty neat to see them and see their injuries and how they how they battle through, um, like zip lining. You have to walk kind of up to the next line, and sure. it's pretty difficult. It's a lot more difficult than you would think with um, two or artificial legs, and some people don't have knees, so they're above knee and. Just by me watching them do it, it's like I can't have an excuse not to do it. If right. Somebody that's a lot higher amputee is doing the same thing I am. So and making that kind of an effort, it's got to yeah. be incredible to watch the effort. Yeah, it's it's more of a group effort when we go to these camps. It's not just like individuals sure. doing their own thing. We're all together, and it's kind of like a big family. Yeah, well, the families are there, so you're all your families get together. I mean, you're making new friends, a new bond yep. in, in your life that'll Correct. be there forever. Yeah, we've made friends down in Colorado Springs, and I talk to him monthly now, and we get together and we golf and we go to the dog park. You know, it's <laughs> well, that's fun stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's all good. So, do you have any more plans to be at some of the upcoming things this summer, or are, have you taken on skiing and snowboarding? No, that's what that's I was going to talk to you today. Yeah, I mean, I know that's I'm, the next one. If you're out there yeah. playing golf and making that effort, you can try <laughs> snowboarding and yeah. skiing. I would think. Yeah, I, I skied a little bit in high school. I ski boarded like the short skis, um, but I haven't done it in a long time. So it'd be nice to get back into it. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Well, congratulations on your success there. Thanks. And how do I'm going to ask you now, Becca? How do how do people find out about your organization? Yeah, so you can visit our website. It's www.valeveteransprogram.org. Um, you can always give us a call if you have any questions. Um, you can find our our phone number on the website. But a lot of the information is online, and um, we're happy to talk to anybody that wants to just learn about the program. Um, or wants to volunteer. We have a number of volunteer opportunities. I was going to ask you. I bet you need volunteers. Yeah, we do. We, um, we're we supported. We're, we're really lucky. We have a lot of support from the local Vail community and then also just the community in Colorado at large. So um, we do have events throughout the year that um, we use volunteers to, to help us out with um, some of them fundraising events, 
um, a few, fewer number of program-related volunteer opportunities but because we work with certified professional recreation guides for everything. Um, but when we do have opportunities, we're, we, we love to get volunteers involved when we can. And what kind of volunteers? Do they have to have any kind of experience? Are they maybe other veterans, like older guys like me that might yeah, have been in Vietnam? We love to have other veterans come through and, and help us out, and it's really nice to, for them to interact with the, the participants in the programs. And so um, always happy to have older veterans or other veterans come through and help. And other veterans could probably participate, too, if they are still suffering and struggling with some issues from the wars they were in. Yes. They could still be involved. Yep. So we work with three major military hospitals to bring most of the participants to us. So they're vetted through the hospitals. and um, But we do have a wait list. And when we have cancellations and openings from the hospitals, we open those up to others that could benefit from the program. So if they're interested in that, you can always reach out to us. Um, and and share that interest. Oh, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of veterans programs out there. Thank goodness. What makes the Vail Veterans Program so different, so unique? It just sounds really good to me. So I think what makes the Vail Veterans Program so unique is that, um, well, first off, we cover the costs associated with hosting the entire family. Um, So not only is a lot of programs, I mean, there are many wonderful programs that offer programming for the whole family, but um, you know, we were definitely one of the first to invite the whole family out to to take part in this because right. we see the impact that it has on not only the vet, but also the the spouses, the kids, the, the even the grandparents sometimes. So um, really the immediate family, um, that, that definitely makes us unique. Also, um, we are a family, and Matt can probably attest to this, but, um, you know, once you come to the Vail Veterans Program, you're part of our family forever, and we really, really value alumni engagement and um, like Matt, for example, and some of the others that have been involved in our program for many years really become mentors and come back and, and maybe help out some of those that are just coming to the program for the first time. So um, really that community feel, and that, that's something that makes us very unique. Uh, Matt, that's pretty important, isn't it, to be part of that as an alumni? And you probably still get good feelings as opposed to being involved directly. Now you're helping others. That's got to be fantastic. Yeah, it's really it's what I kind of like to do. I, l- I like helping other people, and if even if we're not like in up in Vail, talking to each other in person, we can call each other over the phone or Skype or you know, do something right. like that. So once you meet somebody in the military community up in Vail, then yeah, it's you kind of your friends for life. So have you talked to any other veterans you served with and encouraged them to come on up? Let's, yes. Yeah. Get, let's see. Let's get together, and I've I got a good time plan for you. Yeah. When I was down in Texas, I yeah there was. One friend that was having a rough time, and I uh, was like, "Hey, there's this place in Vail, and they they'll fly you up there for free. They'll put you up, and they'll um, get you out in the community and get you out on a golf course because he was a big golfer, and he really enjoyed it. He, he loved it, and he's been doing a lot better now, and he's been golfing and just kind of being a better person and going to school stuff like that. Well, that's a great thing, yeah. and that and that was going to be one of my questions. You can maybe answer it, Matt or Becca. Mm-hmm. What's the cost factor to the veterans? Everything's paid for? We cover all costs associated with the program. So once they get to that airport and whatever is their local community, um, we cover all costs and logistics from there to the end of the program. That's fantastic. Makes it easy, and there's no geographic or financial barriers for anybody that wants to participate. Well, I'm sure a lot of these veterans and their families are going through tough enough times, but then, well, I can't plan a trip like that. 
Well, you don't have to. Right, exactly. We're going to take care of it for you. Yeah, we want to make no it. No excuses. Exactly. We want to make it as easy as possible on them and, and just really so they can get there and focus on what's important, which is healing and bonding. So the word must get out about your facility and what you're doing in Vail. I mean, it's more of a word of mouth thing, I would believe. Yeah, there's a, um, you know, the the relationships with the military hospitals has, sure. is a big um, part of that for us. And then referrals, like Matt mentioned, you know, alumni referrals are really important because like I said, we are a family. And once somebody comes through, if they, if, you know, we, we trust that if they recommend somebody, it's the right person for, for the program. And so um, that's really important to us too. Yeah, you mentioned the military hospitals. Did we mention them by name? Yeah, so we work with Walter Reed okay. in Bethesda. We work with big um, ones. Ba- the big, yeah, three yeah. major military hospitals. So um, we work with Brook Army Medical Center, um, and we work with the Naval Medical Center, which is in San Diego. And um, Brook Army is a center yeah. for the Intrepid, too, which yeah. is in San Antonio, Texas. Right, right. Um, so. And how about you dealing, and, and I hate to bring it up, but it's just a fact that so many veterans are committing suicide these days that don't maybe have a physical problem. Matt, you've got a physical problem and probably had some other issues with that as well. Do you, do you help with that? I mean, is there these guys are coming and they're just not, there's a problem. Yeah, and, so we bring um, staff members from the partner military hospitals to the programming. So we offer that sort of continued support from, you know, they're coming from, from where they're being treated and, you know, it, it feels consistent and, and like they have the support that they need when they travel to Vail with us. Um, but, you know, of course, we hope that through our programming, we can provide new opportunities and, and um, help them overcome challenges that, that you know, may can hopefully contribute to, to a, a decrease in that really, a tr- really terrible right. number. Right. Do, yeah. you, do you recruit other veterans to maybe reach out to veterans that have never been here to, like Matt does uh, to encourage fellow veterans you got to go to Vail, man this is a great thing yeah we we definitely do certain programs more than others just because of how we work with the military hospitals but the golf program for example is definitely um you know we have a lot of alumni that refer those that they think would benefit to us and um that's for some of those programs that's a big part of how we recruit and can veterans and their families come more than once yes definitely so matt i think has been to is it three golf programs plus a summer program Yes, I yeah. went to one week long, and then I've been up yeah. for at the Colorado Country Club of the Rockies a, a okay. couple times. Yeah, That's and okay. the family. Yeah. So yeah, so no, yeah. Once people get involved, we we hope that they come back and they go through our whole list of programs through the throughout the year. So, um, you know, o- or I guess over the years. Sure, but, sure. Um, once they're involved, we hope they stay involved. And how do you make the decision? I mean, I would imagine it's a limited number that can come for whatever particular time it might be. How do you pick? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I keep mentioning the military hospitals, but, mo- you know, the military hospitals refer the the most people to us. So right. um, they're being vetted through the hospitals and chosen as somebody that would benefit greatly from coming. Um, but, you know, we place an emphasis on people that, especially when we're looking at alumni to return, um, you know, that have maybe had a recent significant life event um, and, you know, that definitely plays into it or somebody that maybe was engaged in 2005 when they started. And then, you know, it's been 10 years and we want to get them reengaged. So definitely reengagement and then just, you know, seeing where people are at in their, yeah. their healing journey. Right. So, Matt, I'm going to come back to you on this question. We've talked about the uniqueness of the veteran, Vail Veterans Program. How has it been unique for you? I mean, were you surprised at what it was or a little leery in the beginning and or just amazed at how it helped you? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never been to Vail before I 
came up for this to do the golf program, uh, or actually the the family program is the first time I went up to Vail. But yeah, they fly you up there. They give you a ride from the airport all the way to Vail. Um, they put you up in a nice hotel or condo. Um, they pay for everything. They pay for your meals, um, and it's big. Yeah, Vail is beautiful. I mean, <laughs> oh no doubt. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great place to go any time of the year. Yeah, it's just it's peaceful and relaxing and. And when you get to go with your family and see your kids smile and run around and just have a great time and try new uh, sporting events or if they're going like riding a horse or kind of whitewater rafting, it's it's pretty neat to do that stuff with your family and puts a smile on a lot of people's faces. Did it change your perspective about what was going on in your life at that time a little bit? Did it make it more positive? Was it like you've been going through this day after day after day and what a a positive thing this is? Yeah, it's definitely a really good break, especially when you're going through therapy um, every day. Uh, You come up here, relax, and just take a week off and just enjoy the time with family and scenery and relaxing and not doing anything for a while is, is actually pretty good therapy. Well, and as you said, especially in Vail, whatever time of the year you're up there, yeah. it's fantastic. And I don't, Beck, I don't believe you addressed this, but how did it start in Vail? Why Vail? Is that because the founder was in Vail? Yeah, the founder was in Vail, and I yeah. think also just you know the the mountains up there, it's they're very therapeutic, and there's well, something that's, that's so truth, special it? Yeah. about it. That, um, we have access to all the activities that that you know we use to to help the veterans overcome their challenges and. Um, it's just a really special place. And then the community support. We have so much support from the local right, community. Right, right. Um, it's really, we're really, really lucky and thankful that we have that. So what, what's the future for Vail Veterans Program? Where are you headed? Yeah, so we, um, we're we really emphasizing alumni engagement. And um, that's something, a lot of our alumni actually become ambassadors for the program. And um, we have an, a special ambassador program. Um, but just, you know, hopefully, hopefully, creating some sort of way to continue engaging alumni, whether they are here in Vail or, or in their local community. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's definitely a, a big part of, of our future. So do you try to, uh, when a veteran's been through the program mm-hmm. in Vail, do you try to connect them with something at home where they're headed back to? Yeah, um, so that's something that we, we're working on. Because um, I would think kinda, that would be important. It's yeah. like a follow-up to what Exactly. You learned in Vail. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that we've been talking a lot about. And I think that's in the in the works for 2019. So there you go. I'm giving you more work. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Something else to to work on. Uh, You mentioned fundraisers. Is there something coming up we can help you with or uh, an event where people could participate? Yeah. You know, we throughout the summer, I don't know if anybody is in the Vail area, but if anyone's ever in the Vail area or wants to come to the Vail area, um, we uh, we we represent our organization at the um, Vale Farmers Market through a local um, company that supports us. With it's called Vale Mountain Coffee and Tea. Okay. Um, and so one of their coffee blends, actually, um, a portion of the proceeds go back to us. So um, we have a volunteer at the tent there to to talk about the organization and to help with the the coffee sales that support us. So um, that's one way. And there and there are a number of events like that in the summer that that come up that we can use support your for. cause. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Correct. Because people are wondering, well, wow, you, you're paying for everything. Where's that money coming from? Yeah, we have a mix of um, individual donors, um, really generous corporate sponsors, and a lot of in-kind donations. Um, it's Yeah, we definitely have a, a good mix of that. But but as a non, non-profit, right. which you are, you're not getting any government funding or any state funding? 
Uh, we have local government support, so the town of Vail right. is very supportive of us, and we do get funding from them through grants. Um, That's important stuff to know, that yes. the locals have really stepped up. Really stepped I mean, up. You don't have your hand out to the government and say, hey, we need your help. Right. You're just kind of doing your own thing. Right, right. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. So let's just uh, – so, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, the first time I went up, there was a family that brought all the veterans to their house. Really? And they yeah. had a party in the backyard, mm-hmm. and it was – Food. Oh my gosh! Every like really good food, and they had music going, and yeah, it was just a really good time. Yeah. That's so fantastic. That, I mean, yeah. didn't even know you guys. Just invited you over to his house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it was, pretty it was a great cool. time, and yeah, it was very heartwarming that they would open their house to us. Was he a veteran? I do. I, I don't think so. He just did it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that mm, a lot of non people that are not veterans that open their hearts to us. Well, as they should. I mean, you've opened up more in your heart to the, this country. And again, thanks for what you've done, Matt. Uh, as we wrap up here, Becca, let's just go back and get the word out on how maybe some veterans listening right now or people that know veterans and go, wow, didn't even know that existed. Vail Veterans Program. How do we get involved? Do we apply? How does that all work? Yeah, go to our website, www.vailveteransprogram.org, and you can get information on all the different programs that we offer. Um, or you can always reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, but info at veilveteransprogram.org is an email address that can reach us. And, um, you know, we, we're we a small office, but we'll get back to every inquiry. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions or sure. um, you want to just learn more about what we do. So if you apply, is there like an application you have to fill out? We do what? have a wait list application, okay. um, but that's something that, you know, we, we do uh, – case by case with each program. So people should reach out to us and, and then we can send them in the right direction. Good job. Becca Alibur, Director of Programs, Vail Veterans Program. Thanks for what you're doing for the veterans. Thank you so much. We appreciate you having us here. Well, and Matt, thank you for coming down. And again, thank you for what you've done for our country. Thank we you, sir. Certainly thank appreciate you. it and continue uh, success. Maybe you and I will play some golf sometime. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, you probably kick my – well, you know. <laughs> that's the way it is. Well, that's it. Thank you guys for coming in. We appreciate it. Thank we hope you. that people reach out and help the cause a little bit. And we thank you all for listening. Another edition of Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. We'll be back again next Sunday with some more good Colorado, Denver-type information maybe that can help you. And thank you for listening. Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. Each day, on average, 19 older adult drivers are killed with 712 injured in auto crashes across America, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the National Center for Injury Prevention. There are over 40 million licensed older adult drivers age 65-plus in the country, with this number on the increase with aging boomers. Driving helps older adults stay independent and mobile. However, for many as they age, the risk of injury or losing life also increases. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Contributing to the problem, some older adults experience trouble with hearing, limited sight, slower reaction time, stiff muscles and joints, and medication use that can adversely affect their driving. However, older adult drivers who regularly review their driving skills and use smart self-management can both limit their risk to themselves and to others while retaining their independence longer. The Colorado Department of Transportation Project ROAD, R-O-A-D, Reaching Older Adult Drivers, is framed to assist and support older drivers to be on the road longer and driving safer. Coupled with this is CarFit, an educational program that allows older adults to check just how well their car fits them to drive safely and better. 
on this edition. We learn more from Ray Erickson, occupational therapy practitioner and CarFit event coordinator from Porter Adventist Hospital, and Sylvia Cordy, who leads the Road Project, ROAD, for CDOT. The real purpose of the uh, Road Reaching Older Adult Drivers program is to provide education, information, and hands-on tools to keep our aging drivers driving longer and safer. That's the main purpose of this. And, you know, we formed this program three years ago mm-hmm. because research shows that aging drivers are driving more and longer than any other generation in history. And we want to continue having us folks, I'm an older driver or an aging driver, or an experienced driver, and we want to continue <laughs> doing that. Whatever nomenclature we want to use there, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to have more because the boomer generation is aging. They don't like using that term, but, you know, it is. And so you're going to have that there. But are we really seeing issues with their driving as they age into into the 60s? Because health-wise, as that generation ages, they're, they're in better health than any other generation before them. So they may have some of these driving issues, but may have them later. Well, you know, with aging, that impacts our driving. Yeah. There are things like our vision. We may have problems with vision that we didn't have when we were younger. Our hearing problems. Memory I can't remember what I did yesterday sometimes. <laughs> and so last week and driving directions, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. reaction time, as we age, our bodies change. And not only that, Adam, but the program works with and, and helps people to identify changes in your body, changes in ourselves, changes in car technology. You know, it's like we're driving uh, an airplane now, the cockpit of an airplane, technology has changed, and our roadways have changed. When I teach my um, program with AARP, the Smart Driver Program, one of the things that people say is, we hate roundabouts. And But that's a change in our roadways that we didn't see years ago. And so our program helps aging drivers be aware and keep abreast on all of the changes that could affect their driving. Ray, I guess the question to you, picking up on what Sylvia was saying there, are you seeing as a occupational therapist uh, any real decline with boomers in their faculties, which, is, which can affect their driving now? I wouldn't necessarily... Uh put that in one specific category, one age group. But um, so the one thing, the one statistic I really look at is the um, when people are involved in accidents, when they are senior drivers or experienced drivers, uh, the chances of very serious injuries or worse, even death uh, is dramatically increased. And so as an occupational therapist working uh, at the hospital, um, when I see a senior driver coming in, they've been involved in an accident. Um, maybe it's, you know, certainly never, you know, maybe it's not a fault of their own, mm-hmm. but the airbag deploys in an inaccurate place. Uh, you know, the airbag deploys at 200 miles an hour. And if you get hit with that in the wrong spot, you're going to suffer some injuries. Or um, so, for instance, you know, um, you know, if you're not belted in properly, uh, yeah. you're going to hit that uh, dashboard. So uh, the seriousness seriousness of the injuries is much more severe in a senior driver, and that's where I come from uh, as a participant in uh, car fit, and uh, just to make sure that people are fitting really well with their car, using their equipment safely. Before we get to car fit, okay. though, picking up on what Sylvie was saying, what, what one of the physiological uh, challenges could be hearing 
And, and I go back to boomers again because, you know, we've had a whole bunch of rock concerts and a whole oh. bunch of speakers blaring in our ears. So we probably don't hear as well as we think we do. But those types of things, slow degrading, maybe it gives a false sense of security that we're still as good as we were when we were 30-something. And, and maybe that's what the road program does, too, is to start making people aware of those things where they're thinking about retirement as only being financial. Right. All this other stuff is coming into play as well. Right. Driving retirement is something we should plan for just like anything else. But you're right. Um, our aging years, my aging years, uh, same thing. I went to a lot of concerts, listened to way too much loud music. Um, fortunately, when it comes to driving, only about 10% of uh, what we take in while we're driving comes from our ears. 90% of our uh, the important information comes through our eyes or maybe a little bit less. And then we do get some information regarding driving through our uh, position sense, through our hands and arms, um, legs, that sort of thing. So uh, probably the most important thing I can think of is good visual acuity uh, for safe driving abilities. So about reaction time? Reaction time also with arthritis, changes in sensation, changes in strength. Uh, all of those things are so important uh, to be able to either steer clear of a hazard or brake, get to the gas or brake pedal when you need to. And then accurately getting to the gas or the brake pedal to make sure that you're not accelerating when you really mean to uh, hit the brakes. So, mm-hmm. Sylvia, when you are doing presentations regarding, regarding road um, and you bring up some of these things, how are the audiences reacting? Are, are, are they saying, oh, yeah, 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 girl, I thought about that? Or are they all sitting there saying, oh, really? <laughs> how is our response to those things you're bringing up with older drivers who probably hadn't thought about them before? Well, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking about it, Adam, and that's one reason they come to the presentation. We call our presentation the keys to driving longer and safer, and most people are interested in in driving longer, absolutely. We want our independence. I want mine, you want yours, and the people who come to our presentations want independence, and independence to a lot of people is linked to their cars. So when they come, they listen. They offer their stories and ideas, and um, that's a good thing. Yeah, but you probably have people like me who may show up and say, yeah, but Sylvia, come on. Cadillac's going to be offering a car in 2020 with a hands-free options. I'll have a self-driving car. I'll be in great shape. You know what? A lot of people say, oh, no, they are not with that kind of technology. And AARP on the AARP video, one of the questions is about uh, um, autonomous cars or Mm self-driving. And people, what they say is aging drivers like technology. We just don't like bad technology. But from the people I see, (laughs) they don't want autonomous cars. They want the feel and the power of continuing to take their lives and safety into their own hands. So I don't know how we're going to convince our experienced, aging, older senior drivers. That's the future. Autonomous cars are coming. But right now, they want to get in their car, their as you said, Cadillac, their new Cadillac, or whatever it may be, and drive themselves to Bridge Club, drive themselves to the grocery store, to the doctor, or wherever they want to go, because we want to stay active and we want that independence. Yeah, and I know Ray has probably seen some guys who have muscle cars and 
They're not about to give those up for a self-driving option at no, all. No, 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 not at all. No. So, it, so you really have to pay attention to these things as your faculties age, how you drive your car, maybe a little slower than you used to, mm-hmm. so that you can keep doing exactly that. Exactly. So you can continue to be engaged in your community. Um, I think the, the the thing that Sylvia brings up too is it probably will take about a generation for people to really get used to those uh, autonomous cars, autonomous vehicles, um, and then you know being able to integrate that into maybe a smart uh, road system as well. But um, uh, yeah, the people I meet uh, on car fit events or uh, when I give talks about driving safety. Um, they do ask really great questions, and they, what they're engaged in is they want to continue to be safe. They want to uh, not sit at home. They are also very politically uh, savvy. They're, uh, you know, they they know that they have great influence over um, policy and, and decision making uh, through their legislators, uh, things of that nature. Their local municipal, um, you know, mayor's uh, office, things like that. So, I think uh, I think it might take a, at least a generation before we can really truly integrate into totally autonomous vehicles out on the roads. And Sylvia, I'm sure that you also hear from people when you're giving a presentation too, that, well, we have public transportation, we have public transit, so I don't have to pay attention to that. Now I can just get on the bus, but anybody who lives in Denver knows we have a system, but the system doesn't go everywhere. So you still need to drive some places. Is that correct? That is correct. And what we say is that when you get to the point when you cannot drive, it's no longer safe for you to do so. We want you to look at public transportation. I um, brought the Getting There Guide with me that has all kinds of information from Dr. Mack, uh, Denver uh, Agency uh, Area Mobility and Access Council. And they have lots, it's chock full of good information on how to get uh, free trips and whatever. But right now, if you want to drive, that's what we want you to do. We want you to be independent. But when you get to the point you cannot drive, then you can consider. And then there are some times when you may want to take short trips uh, uh, through public transportation and don't want to take your car. Mm -hmm. If it's raining, for instance, or um, bad weather or a lot of traffic, then you may want to take the public transportation. So... um, we do tell people about both. In, in the CDOT Guide for Aging Drivers, in their uh, contents list, the one that caught my eye that I think a lot of people are going to turn past is, is a chapter that says, am I safe to drive? Mm-hmm. We're going to find a lot of people going to be honest with themselves to determine whether or not they should be or not. It is, and I have a personal experience, which is why I'm so passionate about uh, safe driving for older adults. My dad in Georgia was, um, he's been gone now for six years. And I went home before my dad died, and he was telling me, he said, you know what, baby, I can drive. I can still drive. I can drive better than they can, but they just won't let me. It's an emotional thing, and we don't realize sometimes that we're not fit to drive. So who can tell you or take the keys away? Who is that person? Are you going to designate your children, your doctor, your spouse? My mother said to me, I said, Mama, there may be a time when I have to tell you that you can't drive. She said, don't even try it. 
and she's 95 years old. So, yes, am I fit to drive today is what we tell people. Uh, and one day you may be taking more meds than another day. And then there is a time when you may not be able to drive. But it's how we who are your caregivers, how we react to you when it's time for you to give up the keys. And we want to be compassionate with that person because it's a big deal to uh, to lose that independence. But my dad, my mom said the reason they took the keys away is because he was driving into the ditch. That's a pretty good reason. <laughs> I, I would think so, but it, it didn't compute with him. He wanted, he had been driving all his life. And he wanted to continue driving. You know, when you decide when to give the keys up, that's going to be an individual determination, though. Isn't it right? It won't be the same for you or you or or me or Sylvia. Right. You know, I got on glasses. I may not be able to see next week. Right. And prior to working at uh, Porter, where I work today, I worked at Spalding Hospital in in Aurora. And my job was a driver rehab specialist. And so I was evaluating people either senior drivers or drivers with uh, spinal cord injuries or brain injuries. Yeah. Did that for about uh, about nine years. And uh, so it was it was up to me. The doctor would send a prescription or a referral to me, and I would take the people out, uh, or I would start with the office testing, looking at vision and reaction time, things like that. Sure. And then I would take people out on the road for about an hour and a half to two hours. On this edition, the focus is keeping older adult drivers safe on the road with Sylvia Cordy, who leads the ROAD road program for the Colorado Department of Transportation, and Ray Erickson, CarFit event coordinator. Coordinator and occupational therapy practitioner of Porter Adventist Hospital. We'll gain additional insight from them on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay in your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Melissa Moore. Hi, I'm Melissa Moore with Mile High Magazine. Thank you so much for being here on this Sunday morning. Great organization here in Denver that we are blessed to have. They're in their 31st year right now. It is the Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation, and I have the president here with me, Anthony. I didn't get your last name, Anthony. Albanese. Yes. Albanese. Yeah. And also the grant review chairman, David. Height. Yep, David Height. Thank you guys both for being here so much. Yeah, thank you. So I know we've got a big event, one of your signature events coming up, the Denver Polo Classic uh, next weekend, June 22nd through 24th. We'll talk about that here in a second. But you are in your 31st year. So people may have seen Denver Active 2030 on different events around town. They've heard of DA 2030, sometimes as people may call it. But explain exactly what is Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation. Yeah. Uh, so Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation is a group of all males in between the ages of technically you could be 20 uh, through 39 years old. Um, and uh, we currently have about 100 members. And what we do is we raise money for different children's charities, specifically in the state of Colorado. Every dollar that we raise goes towards our local community. So um, it is 100% focused on kids and 100% focused on Colorado. Uh, what we also do is we place a strong focus on developing our memberships into the future philanthropic leaders of Colorado as well. Explain to me how this organization came about. Um, Denver Active 2030 is a part of a national affiliation of various active uh, 2030 groups across the country. Uh, Each one 
holds the brand name, but we do operate a little bit differently. And I'm very proud to say that the Denver Active 2030 uh, version or or uh, organization is by far and away the largest uh, in terms of fundraising year over year in the nation. And you said you have about 100 members. Is that right? Yep. We have 104 members. And, um, and I should also mention that the reason why we're uh, constantly far and away um, – the top fundraising group is because of the Denver Polo Classic, which mm-hmm. we'll get into a little bit further on why that's such a great event. What does it take to be a member of the Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation? It's a full commitment to your community and a willingness to um, lead uh, a group uh, that are all focused on helping disadvantaged youth. So if you're willing to commit your time and resources, uh, we are 100% about fundraising first and foremost to make sure that we're throw throwing fuel on the fire of the Mm -hmm. great organizations that are out there helping kids. Uh, And then we also are making sure that our members are are growing internally. So what is the average? Is 104 about the average number that you have for membership? We've grown dramatically over the last five to six years when I started, uh, hard to believe, 11 years ago now. Uh, We were 55 members. And so uh, that had gone up to about 120 members at one point. Uh, We're finding our stride, I think, right around 100 is is a good number for us. And Anthony, let's start with you. Why did you decide to get involved? Um, so my my dad is uh, he was in the military and then became a social worker, and um, so we've always had a very strong focus on community. Uh, my mom uh, actually works in adult education in the state of Ohio, um, but there's just always been an innate feeling for me of a need to give back, and specifically, I think a lot of the work that my dad did as a social worker uh, showed me that starting a life out. Uh, in a very disadvantaged way, um, isn't isn't fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not uh, it's not productive for our community. And so, anything I can do to help to change the outcome of any any kids' lives, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm here to do. That's so. wonderful. And David, what about you? Yeah, my family always had a focus on giving back to the community. And when I moved here to Denver, I gravitated towards Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation, really because I felt like my efforts would be leveraged. Uh, greatly with the with the organization um so it's um you know we're a well-oiled machine at this point um and it's it's just a great opportunity to to give back in a in a big way uh, probably bigger than i could have done if i picked something to mm-hmm. do on my own mm-hmm. and let's talk about how um some of these uh huge events that you have coming up i was privileged to have gone to the uh, denver active 2030 barn party with midland kygo huge sponsor oh my gosh <laughs> we were so thrilled to be a part of it it was an incredible event and you've got your big signature denver polo classic coming up here in just a week it is june 22nd through the 24th uh what did i read the largest charity polo tournament in the entire nation largest longest standing charity polo event in oh. the nation yep Tell me a little bit, either one of you, about this event, because it's a whole weekend event. Well, I'd say it started when you asked kind of how we got started 31 years ago. It started with the, the Polo Classic. Um, you know, a group of guys here in the community saw, saw, saw a need in the community, and they, they ended up raising $600 for Denver boys and $600 for Denver girls. Uh, that today, uh, those groups combined to become Denver kids years ago, and they continue to be one of our largest uh, recipients, um, but it's a it's a great event three three day event so it's all weekend. Friday night we have uh, our, our black tie gala. Um, that's that's uh, 
Um, sponsored by uh, Sunflower Bank. Yeah, okay. Sun, Sunflower yeah. Bank's the sponsor for Friday Night Black Tie. And, and we have uh, Food by Elway's live band. Um, really, really, it is one of the best parties of the year in Denver. And, I hear uh, that. <laughs> it's, it's it's a ton of fun, and we raise a lot of money for for the kids that day. A, a lot of the funds raised that day are through our live auction. Uh, okay. Truly incredible experiences that you can very you know very rarely have the opportunity mm-hmm. to purchase. But these are trips to Africa, you know, various uh, flights on private jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Champ um, has given us uh, you know. Uh, leases of, of very nice BMWs for a year. Uh, so we have a lot of excellent partners, and that live auction is a, a really, really incredible way to uh, not only support kids, but also get a great experience for yourself. Right. And then Saturday is the Bank of America Family Day. Yep. Bank of America Family Day. Uh, just as it sounds, people bring their kids out uh, at, to stomp divots and watch polo, and, and uh, it's a, an incredible day. We have about uh, 20 different restaurants that come and support the event. So if you think of it kind of as a, a, a tabled food truck type situation mm-hmm. where we have uh, 20 of you know Denver's kind of best restaurants that come and uh, provide food for the event. And then um, you know the families all enjoy polo. A um, little bit more laid back atmosphere on, okay. on Saturday. Uh, so we have kind of a, you know, a real you know, black tie, formal, but incredibly fun atmosphere on Friday night, a little bit more laid back on Saturday, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into Sunday. And what is Sunday? <laughs> so Sunday is the championship polo day. And if you think about that, uh, think uh, Kentucky Derby, big hats, sundresses, just tons of fun. It's Love it. uh, it's an, it's it's a great, great time. Um, you know, it is world-class polo, uh, which a lot of people haven't experienced. So we have some of the top players in the world uh, that do play at this event. And, um, and so it's just a, it's a unique experience unlike any other in, in Colorado. So our, for people championship sponsor locked and also has a team out there that day. So that's yeah. pretty cool to yeah. see. That yeah. is great. And so for people listening right now, they're like, man, I, it sounds like fun. I would like to go. How do they go about getting involved, buying a table, buying tickets? Uh, what does that look like? Well, they could go to da2030.org slash radio. Um, we'll have tickets available there. And then there's also all kinds of information about how to get involved with our organization, um, some information about some of our other events there as well. We are, uh, we are still taking a few corporate sponsors. Uh, this had been an event in the past that we had only sold corporate sponsor full tables. Uh, this year we are opening up some individual ticket sales. We expanded the tent to allow for a little bit larger capacity. So, again, I drive people to da2030.org. Uh, backslash radio to either buy tickets to the event uh, or you can also buy uh, raffle tickets for our jet links and exclusive resorts experience in Telluride uh, as well as just do a direct donation. And tickets are still available as of this moment. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. We'll be selling uh, tickets likely up until about a day or two before the event, at which point we will have hopefully sold out, which we're getting on track to do. So. That's fantastic. And if you're just joining me, I'm talking to the president of the Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation and also the grant review chairman of the Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation. Their big event, the Denver Polo Classic, coming up June 22nd through the 24th. And where is it going to be again? It's at the Littleton Polo Reserve. Wonderful. And I know that this is a big event coming up next weekend, but it's not the only event you did. We mentioned the barn party, uh, which I was talking about that I got to go to, but you also do something called Christmas for Kids. Christmas for Kids is uh, it's an incredible fundraiser. What uh, 
what's the most fun about Christmas for kids is there's a lot of programs out there that buy gifts for families. Uh, what we do is we partner with uh, Denver Kids and we take uh, about 100 boys and 100 girls out and we have them shop for their family. So uh, we give them a budget uh, and we help them to shop within their budget for their family members. And I've had kids buy everything from, you know, hats and gloves to shampoo for their mom. Mm. Uh, so really incredible, incredible stuff. And it's about teaching to give as opposed to teaching to receive. Uh, we do have Santa come down in a helicopter, which is always fun. <laughs> Uh, he lands in the Target parking lot and hands out a gift to each kid oh, uh, at the end of the event. Uh, but again, it's really focused on helping to make sure those kids are learning to give and mm-hmm. um, sponsored by uh, Bank of Colorado. So they've been uh, tremendously um, beneficial sponsor to us. Uh, One of the really cool things about that event also is that us as members actually get to engage with the children that we're supporting. So more often we're raising money and giving it to the organizations that support the, those children. But with the Christmas for kids event, um, you know, it's really good to get some face to face time with, with some of these kids and see their excitement and, mm-hmm. um, you know, get a little Christmas spirit. And I know as we were talking about how much money, you know, initially when the Denver active 2030 children's foundation started, it was in the hundreds of dollars. Oh, and did yeah. I read right? It was over a million dollars last year. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So, um, it started 31 years ago with $1,200, and and uh, we've been over a million for a little while here. I think our totals are north of 10 million to the community in the in our in our 30 year history. Yep. So, um, definitely making a big impact. It, and and I want to add one thing that a lot of foundations they have money in reserve and they hold money back. We put every dollar out every year. Uh, we have one paid staff member, so our overhead is extremely low, and our philosophy isn't to create an endowment or hold mm-hmm. any dollars back. Every every year we had uh, – last year we had almost $2 million in requests, so every year we, we give out as much as we, as much as we have, and then the next year we try to make sure we're meeting that need as best as possible, so – and the money stays right here locally. I think that's something else we should probably highlight. Yeah, it all stays local. Okay. Uh, that is that is a part of our giving criteria is that it must serve kids uh, locally. And, uh, David, this pro- question is probably better for you. Since there are so many organizations who are asking for money, that probably falls under you doing the grant reviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for an organization hearing about this right now and they want to put a grant in, what do they do? Yeah, they would go to uh, Denver or da2030.org and and find the te- the uh, link to apply for funds. And we typically get about 130 or so grant applications. Um, what they can anticipate is that a member, one of our volunteer members, would contact them, uh, meet with the executive team, usually the executive director or a, a development chair or something like that. And um, they would have already had a chance to review the financials and go over any sort of um, brochures or information about the the charity prior to that meeting. And then they'll ask more more tough questions. And that's Mm -hmm. how we narrow down who we're giving to, to make sure that, you know, we're being the best stewards of the funds that we raise and the dollars that we're deploying in the community are making the, the greatest impact that they possibly can. And is there a deadline for grant applications? It is the end of July. So it's open currently. So feel free to go on and, and get your application in. 
and uh, make sure it's done by the end of July. All right, so you're kind of in a time <laughs> crunch here. Uh, the big the big charity event, their signature event, the Denver Polo Classic going on next weekend, June 22nd through the 24th. For more information, definitely go online to da2030.org. Did I say that right? Yep, that's right. Backslash All right. radio. Yep. All right, Anthony <laughs> and David from the Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation, thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for Thank the you. time. I'm Melissa Moore. This is your Mile High Magazine. Thanks for spending your Sunday with me. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.